Today we're going to look at the mark of the beast, 666, and who the beast is. That's good. Um, That's good. This is exciting. It's really, really exciting. You don't need to be afraid. Remember, if you'll open your bulletin and look right above the big idea, the purpose of revelation for the believer is comfort. When we read this, we don't need to be concerned. We don't need to be upset. We are comforted. If you look there in there, I put that to remind myself and you, revelation is not given to us to scare us. It should comfort us to know that we are secure in Christ, and it should motivate us to share the gospel with us so they don't have to endure the tribulation. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. That is why we need to be in the seed planting business, Sam. I love what Sam had to say. I do wonder, will there be any left? And we see what happens at camp, and thank you, Sam and Heather, for devoting so much of your lives to planting seeds in youth. And Orlando, what a testimony you are in all the youth back there and seeing Becca remain faithful all these years from seven years ago, baptized in Yarborough Lake. It's just exciting, and I know that the church has a great future. Part of the future that's coming, we won't be here anymore. The church will be taken out. So this morning, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to work our way through, and you're going to see some things simplified, all right? I always kind of steered away from Revelation. It seems so dawning. And how many beasts are there? And who is this person and that? And basically, we have three people that are being talked about today. The dragon, which is Satan. The beast under him, who is called many names throughout Scripture. Uh, John calls him the Antichrist, okay? He's called the, the man of perdition and a lot of other terms. But that's this person that's going to come online, come Come on the scene that we're going to talk about today. So we have the dragon, which is Satan, the beast, which will be his main operative tool on earth. And then underneath that is a sidekick to the beast. We can call him the second beast, or he's also called the false prophet. So that kind of simplifies what we're looking at today as we start. You're going to see six characteristics of the Antichrist. All right. One is, and, and these are right out of the scripture, and I've highlighted them in that odd font that you see up there, uh, as we work our way through today. I brought my green pointer. It might do a little bit better. And first off is he is described as the wild beast. That's therion in the Greek, which means a wild and untamed beast. So that's what he'll be like. Uh, Second, he will have world dominance. Thirdly, There will be great wonder for him as a certain sign happens when he takes on a wound, okay? And uh, there we go. And then he will have, the world will engage in worshiping him. There will be basically satanic worship. He'll be, he will be worshiped along with the dragon. He will have amazing, convincing words. He'll be a master speaker. And, uh, And war will be his means of controlling the earth, all right? And last but not least, I'm going to contend that this mark that's placed on those that will be on planet Earth at that time, those who willingly and knowingly receive the mark, are receiving the mark the way a cow would a brand, okay? It's Satan putting his seal on those unsaved people the same way the Lord puts his seal on us, which is the Holy Spirit. So, uh, as I've said before, the best way to interpret the Bible is by looking at the Bible. So you might want to Take a screenshot of this, and you can go read Matthew 24, Daniel 7, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 John 2, 18-19, and 2 John 7. 
You can do a Google search for the beast and all these sorts of things, and and it's amazing. I'll, I'll give you the stats in a minute. It's 18 million when you just uh, stick in Antichrist. As it says here, this is right out of Wikipedia, that great studious work. Almost every verse alludes to or echoes ideas of older scriptures. I was curious what a, a secular take on this would be. Half of the references stem from Daniel, Ezekiel, Psalms, and Isaiah, with Daniel providing the largest number in proportion to length, and Ezekiel standing out is the most influential. That's right out of Wikipedia. So to understand really the book of Revelation, as I've said, about 90% of what you read in Revelation refers back to symbolism that we get in the Old Testament. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. This is John speaking. Wow. I'm going to do this quick today. Rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Again, I put that in the font, which would be item number two, as an identifier for the beast. You see how I'm doing it on this? And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled. That's where the world sees this thing and marvels, and followed the beast. So they worshiped. That's the fourth thing. They worshiped the dragon, that is Satan, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast also, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? I want to remind you, as I said a minute ago, that symbolism is what is used in the book of Revelation. It doesn't mean that it's an allegory. You know, allegories are things like Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Okay, that has some alternate meaning. You can go and Google that, and it's amazing. I took a dive into that for about 20 minutes. But I think we are reading symbolism for real events that are going to take place on the earth. And... He starts off talking, John does, about a sand sand of the sea, that this beast will rise out of the sea. And we know from Scripture that the sea refers to the nations of the earth, okay? Uh, looking at your study Bible, I saw that, that you said this is the nations of the earth are represented a lot in Scripture as the sea, the sea of humanity. And that seven heads will come up with ten horns, and it will have a blasphemous name on each of the heads of these ten horns. Or these seven heads, I'm sorry. When I looked at that as a, as a youth, pastors would get up and try to count how many, and this is kind of an interesting viewpoint that I have that I've never read in any other publication. It may or may not be right, but don't get too fixated on nations where you see, you know, there's 10 now in the common market, now there's 12. Don't think of it that way. I was thinking about it one day. Think of it more as seven big ethnic groups that might be on the earth at that time, all right? And out of these seven ethnic groups, you can have various governments that are over these. And I'm going to show you some examples in a, in a minute. Right now, starting with the 1990s, there was a constitution form called the Constitution for the Federation of the Earth. And this is a group that calls for a new world order back in the 1990s, all right? And this World Federation in their constitution say that this world order needs a world executive. I mean, going, this is right off of Amazon. I took a screenshot there, this book by Glenn Martin. 
So what I'm talking about about these ethnic groups is something like this. This is a map of basically language groups that are in Europe, okay? So that could be a division of seven groups of languages, you might say. You say, well, how would that be? Well, France and Spain, for example, and Portugal and Italy would all be one language group. That's all groups now that speak a form of the Latin language. Those of us who are Spanish speakers in here, we're, we're literally speaking Latin like the Romans did. We're just speaking a devolved version of it that now exists 2,000 years later. There are other groups of Slavs, okay? That would include the Russians and the Poles and the, and Marina, you can help me with that. All the different Slavic people would be a people group. But yet with all of these ethnic groups, they span and they end up in different parts of the country. We know that a person in our uh, own a congregation here who is ethnically a Hungarian ended up living in a place that's Romania that would be part of the language group that I'm talking about, which would be devolved from the Roman Empire. A real example of this would be the Kurds. Anybody ever heard of the Kurds? You hear about them on the news all the time? Well, Kurdistan is a nation that doesn't exist. The Kurds are in many different countries. You see they're in Iran. They are over in Turkey. They are in Syria, and they are in Iraq. But do you see what I mean? This is what I'm saying, where people groups cross nation boundaries that we see today. I thought these were lovely people, so I just took some pictures of them. The Kurds claim to be the descendants of the Medes. Remember when we studied Daniel? And you had the Medes and the Persians that were there in a divided kingdom. Other scholars say, no, they're not, but they claim that they are. So uh, they might be. But I wanted just to show that as an example. So in verse 2, we see these, what I call, zoomorphic descriptions. Zoomorphic, morphism is something used a lot in Gaelic things and in Celtic artwork. You've all seen these kind of things where this dragon eats its tail and all this zigzag stuff. That's a zoomorphic uh, illustration there. It actually says animal motifs and zoomorphic designs in Celtic art. So... This character is introduced saying that the dragon will give it its power and it will be a leopard, have the foot of a bear, and a lion. Now, most scholars attribute certain countries to this, and, and you can look at that. I'm not going to go into all that today, but as I began to think with my blank tablet mind, not reading a bunch beforehand, just say, Lord, what could this possibly be? Well, a leopard is a pouncer, okay? It pounces on its prey to get it and eat it. So I was thinking, if I were going to describe this beast, this monstrous person, he would be a pouncer like, like a leopard. That was what, in the known world, was probably the animal that could jump the furthest to grab, grab hold of something. Then I thought, foot of a bear, what a curious uh, description that is. And when I was little, people would say, oh, the bear, that's Russia. Russia's the bear. Well, there's other countries that I think Persia in the past has been described as a bear. When I think of the foot of the bear, I think of the foot of the bear is what's his power. Did you know that a bear can kill a full-size, like a male mule deer or an elk with one blow of its, of its paw? That's what his weapon is. So, and then the bottom is the lion that crushes his prey with his teeth. So there I put at the top, this, this dragon, dragon Satan will give this beast, this person, power, and they're going to be pouncing, smashing, and crushing, all right? That's just a little bit of a favorite commentary right there. And then in three and four, we read that he would receive this wound, okay? This wound in him, 
And you can catch more of this in the written sermon today. And I don't know if the wound will be an extension of what this beast is. It might be an army that's wiped out, or it could be a something of political power that goes away. But I tend to think that it's an actual physical wound that the, the beast himself will receive, okay? And that he'll receive, and what this and because that most mimics the resurrection. You follow me? And Satan is the great counterfeiter. As I've talked to some of the men and men's group, uh, here I talk about how Satan is always counterfeiting what God creates and what God does in the original form. We have love that God wants between a man and a woman. Satan is behind the production of pornography, which is just an, an, uh, a phony representation of that. Uh, there's nothing like being drunk on the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and there's nothing exhilarating like that and, and as euphoric as that. And yet Satan creates his counterfeits where we ingest, you know, drugs and or maybe rely on alcohol or these kinds of things to seek these feelings. They're all counterfeits for what's the real thing. So this beast will receive this wound. The whole uh, country, the, or the whole world will be so amazed that they will worship not only the dragon, but the beast himself. I don't know what will happen, but it, everybody in the world is going to know about it and see it. And there we go again. This is another characteristic. He was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So the scripture tells us that he's given this authority for what's 42 months? Three and a half years. So he's going to be given this three and a half year period when he speaks blasphemies about God, when he's given authority to be this recognized leader in the world that will be charismatic. And I thought, I looked up their synonyms for eloquence. He will be the most fluent person you've ever met using the greatest rhetoric, expressiveness, oratory skills, being articulate. You can add any other adjectives that you want, but this person is going to be amazing. All right? It's kind of interesting. I'm sorry. Somehow this may not be the exact correct PowerPoint, but that's okay. This is shorter than the one I ended up with, but this is a good one. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And he was granted to, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So he will be given this influence for three and a half years. He will be the most convincing person probably you've ever seen or ever heard. And I thought of convincing people that have come along. You know, when I used to love, and I didn't, vote for him or support him. I used to love to hear Bill Clinton speak. Bill Clinton, whatever it seemed Bill Clinton said, it was just so believable. I mean, he just had a way about him. And, and Ronald Reagan was the same way. Ronald Reagan was this, to me, a great orator. He could disarm his enemies just but he was just so likable, you know. Uh, President Obama was that way. He would speak whether you agree with him or not. And it was just like honey coming out of his mouth. These are great orders. They're going to be nothing compared, and I'm not hinting that Reagan or Obama or Clinton were the beast at all, uh, but I'm saying it's going to be that kind of charisma that someone has where people of the earth just say, this is the guy that's the answer to all of our problems, all right? And he's given this authority over every tribe and tongue and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life, 
of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I wanted to remind you that God does not predetermine whether we go to heaven or hell, but he has foreknowledge of this. He foreknew us. He knew what we were going to do before we did it, even though he gave us the freedom to choose him or not, okay? And this is saying that all of those who have chosen him from the foundations of the earth are not going to be the ones that worship the beast, okay? That's what this is saying. It says, all who dwell on earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So those that are not believers are the ones that are going to get in lockstep and follow the beast, and they're going to believe all that he has to say. And then um, we have verse 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear it. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. That's kind of a strange verse to be in the middle of this thing. But I think what the Lord is telling us is that some, at this point, some of the saints are just going to be called to go through suffering. I think that's what this is saying. They're going to be those on the earth that are the, let's call them the post the post-rapture believers who come to know the Lord and just part of what's going to happen to them is the suffering that is described here. All right, they must be killed with the sword. If you look in Jeremiah 15, 2, it's kind of a similar passage. And it shall be, if they say to you, where should we go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as are for death to death, such as are for the sword to the sword, such as are for the famine to the famine, such as are for the captivity to the captivity. It's, it's God just telling us that the way it's going to be at this point in the tribulation is that some are going to suffer, and they're just going to fall to the sword of the beast. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns, like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast, in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So what this is saying is the second beast will arise, also referred to as the false prophet. I call him the sidekick, all right? He's the mouthpiece of the false prophet. And like I said before, don't you see this is like an unholy trinity where we have the dragon, which would be Satan, we have the beast, and then we have the second beast, who has two horns, like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. Well, I think of it being a lamb. I'm thinking of a lamb and a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So he's going to come out, and he's also going to have power given to him by Satan to do certain things that are going to appear miraculous, okay? And uh, and he will cause worship of the beast. I, I went back and I looked at some old renditions of this. Look, this is what someone called the Satanic Trinity. See where that you see the dragon? Then they have the beast there, that's the Antichrist. Then this one, this whoever made this illustration, calls this the anti-spirit, like what's contrary to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right? So you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. All right? And then that shows Revelation 13, 1 through 10. We just read the descriptions of the beast. Revelation 13, 11 through 17 that we're in now are descriptions of this false prophet or this anti-spirit. 13, and we're, we're talking about this, this uh, false prophet. He performs great signs so that 
he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Why would that be an important sign that this guy would get out and call down fire? Do you remember when Elijah was fighting the prophets of Baal? Do you remember what he did to show that God was the true God? He called down fire from heaven, didn't he? I have it here for you, 1 Kings 18, 24. Then you call, this is Elijah talking, on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So anyway, this, this false prophet will be able to call fire down just like Elijah did. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. This is verse 14. By those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. So the sidekick's going to say, hey, y'all make an image of the beast. This gets kind of weird. It's like Star Trek here or like Lord of the Rings. I'm going to show you in a minute. And uh, it says, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast. <laughs> what in the world would that look like? Who was wounded by the sword and lived. So the beast received this wound, lived. People then engaged in satanic worship. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. So this false prophet's going to actually be able to somehow breathe kind of fake life into this image, this of the beast. Like maybe on a jumbotron or I, I thought of something weird about this and I'll show you in a second. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So we have this odd description of this thing being created, this machine or this, this apparatus that will seem to come to life and it will have in it the power to search out and surveil. Do you know what surveil means? For me to look in here, if I could read your minds, I'm going to pinpoint the person right here that doesn't believe a word that I'm saying. Where's Tim? Okay. And then have the ability to destroy him, okay? That's what this thing will do. Anybody ever see Lord of the Rings? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Y'all remember the eye of Sauron? It was always looking for him. Remember the eye of Sauron? It looked for him, and they go after him to kill him. I think it's a thing kind of like that. So that's, this is a picture. If you didn't see Lord of the Rings, that's the eye of Sauron, which was this image created from the underlying horrible being. That was This wasn't really the being, but this was the tool of the being to search out and destroy those that, that were intent on uh, not getting the, the ring to Mount Doom. Remember, they were going to throw it into the fire. Saw a funny meme the other day that two hobbits showed up in my backyard with a ring. It was so hot outside in Texas, they were trying to look for somewhere to throw it, <laughs> to melt it. But anyway, that's the eye of Sauron. And he will cause all, both small and great, here we go, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. So we're talking about people. First off, let me ask you, in the verses beforehand, did I tell you that all the believers were killed or not? They were, remember? Because the beast was given power to kill them. So who is going to be receiving the mark on their right hand or their foreheads? Those who have chosen to follow the beast, do you see? So don't feel that you unknowingly are going to go down to Walmart and in your flu shot somehow they're going to give you the mark of the beast. That is not biblical, okay? It cannot be given to us unknowingly or, or unwillingly. Those that receive the mark of the beast are saying, Satan, I want your stamp on me. Do y'all follow me? 
And at that time, I guess some will be rebellious because that no one will be able to buy or sell unless they have that mark on them. So what is this mark, okay? What is this all about? Why is Satan doing this? And I think he's doing it, as I said beforehand, to put his brand, so to speak. I'm going to speak in Whitehall terms. It's Satan's way, Scott, at putting his brand on your backside or on your forehead or on your hand, okay? And, and it's a way of ownership. We put brands on our cattle, not just because it's fun to go brand cattle. We put tags on them. We put brands on them. I went out and looked at mine today, and I saw number 19 and number 20 out there. Everybody's there. Okay, I only have three out there. Uh, but, but I looked at them to remember what the numbers were on their tags because I own those cattle. The mark of the beast is for the, those that are owned by the dragon. Don't be afraid. You're not going to get it thrown at you or thrown on you without mm-hmm. you knowing. Look what the Lord gives us as his seal. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God, who also sealed us. There's our seal. And given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Mm-hmm. If you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are given his spirit as a guarantee. And you have the mark of creator God on you. Not the mark of some beast. All right. And then lastly, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of man. His number is 666. Now I had a friend here in the church call me and said, did you realize that computer, if you... Use Gematria and put a number for every letter of computer where C would be three and O is. And we did it together on the phone. I'm not going to point out who that was. He's a guy I talked to a lot. And he said, now, add that all up and it added up to 111. He said, now, multiply it by six. Six, six, six. Oh, no, the computer is the beast. It was like Sandy had an uncle and we still has an uncle. We love him. But back in the 90s, when we first went up there and the internet first came out, he got me in a corner in a whispered way, said, have you noticed WWW on everything? I said, yeah, I have. And he says, that's it. I said, that's what? He said, that's 666. And I said, 666? How is WWW 666? He said, okay, you believe what you want to believe. That's a lot of what you get. There's so many. I mean, I can give you Mickey Mouse and spell it out and give you the right uh, algebraic thing, and it's going to come up to the beast, all right? There's all of these things, and the truth of the matter is all we know about six is it's not God's number. What's God's number? Seven. What falls short of the glory of God? Man. So if God's seven, man's six, right? If six, six, six is man, 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 man. I think the mark of the beast is just man. It's man. It falls short of the glory of God, as each of us do. And that is how and why we come to the Lord Jesus to be saved. About the timing of the mark of the beast. Paper, is the beast here right now? No, the beast isn't here right now. Verse 1 told us he must rise to power. We don't see a person. There might be someone that rises to power. All right. Have y'all seen anybody receive a deadly wound and then come back from the dead? I haven't. You know what? The beast isn't here yet. Or he hadn't manifested himself. 
Do we see people out worshiping Satan and the Antichrist? Well, we see them worshiping Satan. But I'm not sure they know who the Antichrist is to worship him. Okay, how about this? The false prophet will perform miracles. I've seen nobody call any fire down from heaven. Have you? No. The false prophet. The false prophet, I've seen no image constructed that's been caused to speak. That's verses 14 to 15 that we just looked at. The image of the beast orders the death of anyone who will not worship it. We're not there yet, guys. We may be here when the beast first comes to power or we see it happening. We definitely see this one world happening, this one world government happening. And that's a prerequisite for a beast even being able to take control of things. And then we have not seen anyone falling in line where the false prophets ordering everyone to receive the mark of the beast. So what I'm really here to tell you today is that it's going to be a choice, okay? And I would encourage everyone here, if you haven't, to choose wisely. Did anybody see Indiana Jones in the in the, oh, yeah. the, the Holy Grail? Yeah. Or the Last Crusade, it was called. I loved it in the end when they go over there and that old monk's there and they're going to drink out of the cup of Christ. He says, you better choose wisely. The guy doesn't choose wisely and he explodes. You know? So anyway, we want to choose wisely. And the way you choose wisely is you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't understand all this, but Lord, I need you. And so, Lord, I put my faith and my trust in you as my Savior. And, Lord, I know that you seal me for eternity with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. So no one, I want to just tell you today and encourage you, no one can give you the mark unknowingly. Don't be afraid of that. No one will give it to you unknowingly or unwillingly. I would say that those are biblical impossibilities. So as we started out and we'll end is that, this is written for our comfort, okay? It's written for our comfort, and it should urge us, if we don't know the Lord, to get to know him and to accept him and receive him. Because as, as I've told you, I don't think believers will ever get to this point. And if you, and then also maybe have an urgency to plant those seeds that Sam talks about and to tell others about Christ, and you, and you can help them avoid the consequences of being in, in all of this, in the tribulation. So that, that's my take on 13. I realize it was very quick. I'm sorry for that, but we've, we've got a lot going on today.